morning, would you turn with me to Philemon? Philemon. As you're turning there, think back with me to a time when you were younger. Perhaps this was a time when you were a child. Uh, Was there something that you valued greatly? Uh, Specifically, was there a certain item that was one of your most prized possessions? Uh, When I was younger, my brother used to have this blankie. And, and just so you know, I, I've, my brother knows that I'm saying this today. My, my brother used to have this blankie, and this blankie was very special to my brother. Uh, in fact, he would carry it with him to bed. He would carry it to play with his toys. I mean, you would think he was like Linus from Charlie Brown. Um, well, as the years went by, and as he became a toddler, the, the blankie went through some tough wars. Um, unfortunately for my brother, he, he got a tear in the blankie, and he was telling me this the other day. Uh, When he got that tear in the blankie, a Jolly Jolly Rancher found itself lodged inside of it. Uh, Now, now I call it a blankie. Um, That's what it used to be. As he would carry it around, it really looked like just a dirty piece of cloth. Um, It it lost all the stuffing. It was starting to lose color. Well, he got a tear in it, got a Jolly Rancher in it. And as you can imagine, my brother, as a toddler, needed this blankie issue to be resolved. My parents, on the other hand, though, had been hoping to get rid of this filthy cloth. So my mom, she said that she would try to fix it. She said that she would try to fix the tear in the blankie. But my brother did not ever get that blankie back. Uh, years later, my, my brother would find out that the rugged blankie was found hanging in the back of my parents' closet. Why they kept it? No clue. Um, they had forgotten about it, I guess, and the old rag just hung on a hanger. Now, if you were to look at this blankie, you would think, what is so unique about it? Well, to my brother, he had experienced great times with that blankie. Uh, To my brother, he had found comfort at times in this blankie. And true story, my brother was telling me that this is a blankie that actually belonged to a nursery, a daycare. And uh, he just took it home one day. I guess my brother was a thief from the get-go. But he took it home one day and uh, made such a huge fuss about it that the daycare was like, fine, you can keep the, the thing. Uh, He he even revealed to me that he got into a fight with another child who wanted the blankie. Now, again, if you were to look at this blankie, you'd think, man, that looks like a a dirty, you know, piece of tissue. Um, It was disgusting. You would have viewed it and thought, man, this is such a disgusting rag. But you know what? To my brother, it was valuable. You know, we all can relate to that story in some regard. In In some point of our lives... There have been items that we have clung to. Uh, For you men, perhaps it was your favorite pair of jeans, and you loved those jeans even when they began to not fit so well. You loved those jeans even when they they got a tear in them. I'm telling you, after this first child, everything is becoming tight. So I'm clinging on to everything. Um, All of us value certain things more than others would value them. But today I would love to share with you that in God's eyes, you have great value. You have great value. Now, this is wonderful news for us, because we live in a world today that does not value human life. The reality of this is seen in the rate of abortions. The reality of this is seen in the cases of abuse in many households. And unfortunately, mankind does not value life as they should. But you are of great value to God. But in order to better understand this truth, that we are of great value to God, let's examine Philemon. We're going to read a few verses in a moment, and we're going to see that we are of great value to God. But first, let's get a grasp on the, cons- on the context of Philemon. This is one of Paul's epistles, which is written during his imprisonment. 
Now this letter is unique though because many of his other letters dealt specifically with church doctrine or um, shared with how, how the church should, should function. But this letter was written to a specific individual. Paul writes this letter to Philemon who was a slaveholder in the Colossian church. And as he writes to Philemon, he, he brings before him this one individual that they have a mutual interest in. A man by the name of Onesimus. Onesimus was a servant of Philemon, and he had run away from his, from his owner. And not only had he run away from his owner, he had stolen from his owner as well. You need to understand this morning that the penalty for this would be severe. He wouldn't just be caught and probably just sent back to being a slave. Uh, the penalty most likely would have been death for running away, for stealing from your owner. But Onesimus, he had stolen, he had run away from his, from his owner Philemon and somehow crossed paths with the Apostle Paul who was currently imprisoned. Well, during their, their interaction, Onesimus would come to faith in Jesus Christ. And he and Paul would build a bond. And as this letter is written, Paul encourages Onesimus to go back to his slave owner. But as he sends him that way, he writes to Philemon, pleading that he might hopefully consider pardoning Onesimus for what he has done, and also choose to view Onesimus from a different perspective. Value can be best understood as worth or importance or to be esteemed. So you are of great value to God. But this morning, let's look at two characters. First is Onesimus, the selfish servant. Let's read the passage, Philemon, beginning in verse 10. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own vows, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be, as it were, of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but now much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord." If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. Powerful passage. It's interesting. Paul, he writes here to Philemon, he says, hey, I'm sending Onesimus. But he shares some exciting news. Onesimus has now become a believer. But he, he writes to Philemon, he says, hey, please receive him back, but not just as a servant. Forgive him for what he's done, but as a brother. This morning we're going to look at two characters. We're going to look at Onesimus, and then we're going to look at Paul. But let's begin with Onesimus, who was the selfish servant. What, did, what had he done? Uh, Onesimus had run away from his master. He had stolen from his master. And again, this was a significant crime. There was no misunderstanding here. Onesimus knew that he had an obligation he knew that what he was stealing from his master did not belong to him. It's interesting as you read this passage of scripture, as you're able to pick up certain details about Onesimus. He was not a profitable servant at all. Instead of serving his master, he stole from him. Instead of fulfilling his duty, he rejected that duty and acted selfishly. 
But again, why was that crime so significant? This was a purposeful act by Onesimus. He purposefully stole from his pastor, uh, not his pastor, from his master. And the punishment was not just imprisonment. Again, the punishment would more than likely have been death for the crime that he committed. For a servant to run away at this time was fatal for the servant. There was no going back. If they were not captured and reinstated, they would be killed. And to make matters worse, the fact that Onesimus had stolen from Philemon made it more likely that his life would be taken from him. Though you might not like the idea of slavery or or think that it was right at this time, you must acknowledge that Philemon had it in his right to act as he desired if Onesimus were caught. If Onesimus were to come back, if he were caught, even if he came back on his own will, it was in Philemon's power to choose to do what he wanted to do. See, Onesimus took what was not his The truth is that Onesimus took what was not his. You know, I believe that we can view our lives very similarly as Onesimus did. Before I share this, let us realize that this account that is found in God's word actually took place. Uh, These are real individuals who once lived and breathed as you and I do. This is not an allegory. This is not fiction. This actually occurred. So for Onesimus to do this meant that if he were caught, he would be killed for his crimes. He took what was not his. You know, mankind can be so selfish when it comes to the blessings that God gives to them. Let's consider our society today. When I consider our society today, I cannot help but think about abortion. Please understand, though, that as I share this, this is not a personal attack against anyone. I'm burdened for this sad reality in our society today. But when we look around and we see that women are told that it is their body and they can choose to do as they please, that's so wrong. God created us to glorify him. God created you and I with a purpose. Every human life has value. And we must be conscious of this truth and allow it to shape the way that we choose to live. You can choose to live your life as you please. But I'm going to implore you this morning to consider viewing your life as a gift and as an opportunity to glorify God. Onesimus wrongly believed that he could make whatever choice he wanted to make. He wrongly believed that he could do what he wanted to do. There would be no consequences for that. And again, I I think we often view our lives as Onesimus did. He thought it was was okay to abandon his duty as a slave, to steal what was not his. And often mankind views their life as a time to make the choices that they want to make. Think about it. You read the news, you look to social media, and all that's pushed at us is that our life is ours. We can make any choice that we want to make. We can choose to have an abortion if we desire to because it does not fit into what we want our life to look like. We can choose to take from others what is not ours because we have that liberty and we have that ability. But I would implore you this morning to reconsider that viewpoint if that is the position that you hold. The reason for, for reconsideration is because God has created you and God has created me but the ability to communicate with him. You do realize that you were not born as a mistake. No one has been born as a mistake. 
We were born in order that we might know our creator, our God. When you look at the creation week, he breathed into man the breath of life. He created man in his own image. We are a unique creation. God gave us the ability to communicate. God gave us the ability to have a relationship with him. This wonderful God that created you and this wonderful God wants to know everything about you. Well, he does know everything about you and he, he, wants, he, he wants you to know more about him. He desires to have a relationship with you. But you must not choose to live this life in whatever fashion you would like to. Onesimus acted selfishly. The only person that Onesimus was concerned about as he fled from Philemon and as he stole from, from Philemon was Onesimus. He was not concerned for how it would affect the wealth of Philemon. He was not concerned that it would cause him potential issues and difficulties. As he left his master, as he stole from his master, the only person that he was thinking about was himself. And we see that mindset so very often today. There's a huge push to place the focus on me. Whatever I think is best is best for me. Truth is no longer absolute. It's relative. Your truth is what you make it to be. If you consider it to be true, then it does not matter what others think. But believer, I hope you see the issue with this perspective. We must not look at life from a human perspective because our perspective will be skewed. If we decide to instead look at life from a God-focused perspective, then we will be better served. Onesimus, he didn't just act selfishly, but he, he did not count the cost. Onesimus did not appear to consider what his actions could result in. He fled from his master with items that were not his. If he were caught, again, this would be fatal. For Onesimus to not count the cost for the crime reveals that he did not care for others. He was simply concerned with taking care of himself and no one else. There's a phrase that's been uttered again and again by, I believe, Ken Collier of the Wilds. He, he said that in life, there are two options on the shelf. Uh, you can either choose to, to please God or to please self. Think about that with me. There are two options on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. Isn't that powerful? Because that's so true. Uh, whatever you choose to do in your life will either please God or it will please yourself. Onesimus did not count the cost, though, because his actions could have affected others simply besides Philemon. And in fact, it did. You read through Philemon, and the actions of Onesimus affected the Apostle Paul. Though Onesimus did not intend for that to happen, uh, his meeting Paul and becoming friends with Paul meant that Paul would eventually be affected. To simply put it, Onesimus was selfish. Did not care for others. Again, we, are, we can be so similar to Onesimus. We live our lives only focusing on improving our own life where we can. We do not consider others. And I'm speaking to, to Christians and to people who, who are not believers. But, but we do not consider others. We hardly ever put their needs before our desires. Did you catch what I said there? I didn't say their needs before our needs. We hardly ever put their needs before our desires. We can become more concerned with our well-being that we miss opportunities to speak truth into the lives of others. And really, this is seen in God's churches today, all around the world. Even with Christians, 
They become more concerned with having their agenda pushed to the point that the unity of the church is affected or the gospel is no longer the focus in the church. But believer, you are of great value to God. Really, all of you in here today, you are of great value to God. Unfortunately, we see that Onesimus was selfish. And really, we can be so similar to Onesimus where we wrongly believe that this life is ours to live. We can make any choice we want with no consequences. But that's simply not the case. We must recognize that God created you, God created me with a purpose to bring him glory. Though mankind has a free will, and though mankind can choose to live a life that places God out of the picture, I would implore you this morning to reconsider that position. The beauty of the example of Onesimus is that it reveals to us that we are of great value to God even though we can live so selfishly. Even though we can become so self-centered, you are of great value to God. We saw Onesimus, the selfish servant. He truly wasn't profitable. But now, let us shift our focus to Paul. To Paul, who was not a selfish servant, but Paul, who was a caring brother. Paul, who was a caring brother. And he says in verse 17, If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself, or oweth thee the ought, put that on mine account. I'm sorry, I read 17 and 18. He says in 17, If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. Then verse 18, If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee ought, put that on mine account. Paul was a caring brother. We read that Onesimus, he becomes a believer. Uh, he, he meets Paul, he, he somehow meets Paul, they, they begin talking, Paul shares the gospel, he becomes a believer. It's a wonderful thing, but Paul, as a caring brother, is concerned for him. Paul, as a caring brother, encourages him, hey, you need to go back to Philemon. What you've done is wrong. Taking from Philemon, stealing from Philemon was wrong. The fact that you ran away was wrong. And he, he encourages him to go back. Paul was willing to have his reputation tarnished. Paul had a good reputation at, the time of his, at, at this time during his imprisonment. Though the government opposed his preaching, the influence of Paul was great. He had gone to many places. He had faithfully preached the gospel. He had met many individuals, had helped them grow in their walk with God. And though he was a man, I think many of us would consider Paul to be one of the most influential characters in the Bible. The reputation of Paul was that he was committed to declaring the gospel to all who would hear him. The boldness of Paul, nearly unmatched. You go to the book of Acts, and you see some of his missionary journeys, places where he would go and and faithfully preach the gospel. And some places were receptive to it. Some places were like, okay, that's great. Some people responded positively to it. But there were also other places that said, no, no, no. We don't want anything to do that. And mocked Paul. He shared the gospel and they, they wanted nothing to do with it. He shared the gospel and they, they mocked him. They, they were upset with him. They wanted to beat him. I mean, he faced all different types of trials. But Paul was bold in his declaration of the gospel. 
He was known as one who was committed to God in his service. I mean, it's amazing. You read that he, he, he got almost beaten to death at one point. Then he gets up and continues on. He would get rejected by some and he would, he would move on, continue to share the gospel. The reputation of Paul was that he was committed to declaring the gospel to all who would hear him. But it's interesting to note how Paul began this letter to Philemon. Look with me if you will in verse 1. It says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. He, be, he begins this letter by acknowledging that he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul knew what it was like to be in prison. As he was currently in prison, he still desired to serve God well in whatever capacity that he could. Now, don't mistake it here to be like Paul's complaint that he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He was a servant of Jesus Christ. He was committed to what God had him to do. He was committed to declaring the gospel, but he understands what it means when it comes to servitude. He understood what it meant to be imprisoned. As he was currently in prison, he still desired to serve God well in whatever capacity he could. Before this once selfish servant, Paul was willing to have his reputation tarnished. He was willing to allow his character to be questioned for Onesimus, who once had been viewed as a very selfish individual. Now, this was a huge step that Paul was taking for an individual who had shown before that he was not very trusting. Sure, he may have been a believer now. Sure, he may have been growing in his walk, but previously he had shown that he was not very trusting. Previously he had shown that he was selfish. Previously he had shown... He was not concerned with others. As I see what Paul did for Onesimus, I don't know about you, but I cannot help but be reminded of what God has done for you and I. What God has done for mankind. Consider this with me today. The Bible reveals to us that mankind was born at enmity with God. We were born the enemies of God. Born with a sin nature. Because of Adam's sin in the garden, a sin nature passed on to all mankind. We were born the enemies of God. We were born with a nature that was inclined to act selfishly and that was inclined to act sinfully. We were born with a nature that desired darkness over light. Yet even though this was a reality, the word of God reveals to you and I that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. God places great value on you. Though, though I may not be able to see that value immediately, and though you may not see much value in me, be encouraged to know that God values you so much. God values you so much, he was willing to send Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, to die in your place. What a display of love from God. But Paul, he was willing to have his integrity questioned for an individual who had once acted selfishly, who had once acted poorly, Onesimus did not deserve the actions that Paul was willing to take. Onesimus did not deserve the plea that Paul was giving to Philemon. But as you sit in here this morning, please understand that you and I did not deserve the great love that has been extended to us from God. And guess what? To be frank with you, we still don't deserve it. 
We don't deserve the grace that God has extended to mankind. But even though Onesimus did not deserve it, Paul was willing to have his reputation put on the line if Onesimus acted poorly again. Think with me, this would have negatively affected Paul's testimony. Paul's reach would not have been as powerful. His influence would have been hindered. The ministry that Paul had had in in the area could have been ruined. Yet he was willing to have his reputation tarnished. As a caring brother in Christ, Paul valued Onesimus enough to put the needs and desires of Onesimus before his very own. If this went poorly, Paul's integrity would be questioned as well. If Onesimus went back to acting selfishly, then Paul would be looked poorly upon as well. Remember, Paul's in prison. So as he sends Onesimus, there's no guarantee that Onesimus is going to go back. Onesimus could, could run away, and guess what? Paul might never hear what actually happened. Paul, though, was willing to pay the price for Onesimus. Did you see that? If he hath wronged thee, or oweth the, the ought. Put that on mine account. The baffling reality of this passage is how Paul made it clear that he was willing to pay the price for what Onesimus had stolen. For Paul to offer this was amazing and showed true and genuine love unto Onesimus and unto Philemon, who were both brothers in Christ. But why was this so significant? If Paul was extremely wealthy, then it's not a big deal. If Paul was a man that had great liberty or had much freedom, we might not look at that and think that was anything special. But if you consider Paul's current situation, you would realize that he was under house arrest. He was not truly a free man. And you would think that there would be a limitation to what he could do. But also realize this was not Paul's fault. Onesimus was the one who chose to steal. Onesimus was the one who chose to run away. Onesimus was the one who acted selfishly. Yet Paul was willing to pay the price. Onesimus was the one who had chosen to run away from Philemon. Onesimus had chosen to steal from Philemon. The fault all rested on the head of Onesimus. Not only was it not Paul's fault, but Paul, like I said, Paul was not wealthy. He did not have a great income. And I think you can gain a better picture of Paul's financial situation when you read in another of his epistles that he was extremely thankful for the food and provision that was sent his way by other Christians in Philippi. Paul was thankful for the blessings of the Christians in Philippi that blessed him during his time of ministering. I mean, Paul was a tent maker. And Paul would, would continue his work of, the tent, of tent making As he served, as he ministered, he wasn't a very wealthy man. But consider as well, as we just mentioned, that Paul was not free. He did not have the liberty to go where he wanted to go. He could not simply do what he wanted to do. He had limitations. There were restrictions that were placed on him. And really, if Onesimus were to be punished for what he had done... Philemon would have had every right. If Onesimus had been punished for stealing and for running away, we would have been like, well, yeah, he did that. But Paul, as he's in prison, was punished for doing right. 
as he was under house arrest, house arrest, this was the exact opposite of Onesimus. Onesimus had obviously done wrong. He had fled. He had stolen. But Paul was only guilty of consistently proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to any who would hear it. Paul was punished for doing what was right. Paul was living a life that was glorifying God, yet he faced judgment. He faced imprisonment. To me, the best picture that I can draw for you today to help you realize what Paul did is by sharing the gospel. Again, this is not an allegory. This is not any piece of fiction. This actually happened. This took place. But the gospel is clearly seen in this passage. We must recognize this morning that we were born into this world as sinners. We had no desire for God before, because we were born the enemies of God. There was no true good in us. From the very beginning, mankind has been selfish. Mankind has been willing to do whatever they can to get ahead of the pack. From the beginning of time, mankind has been willing to lie. Mankind has been willing to cheat. Mankind has been willing to truly do whatever they can to get things to go their way. The Bible declares to us that the punishment for the fact that we are born sinners at enmity with God, the fact that we are the enemies of God, is eternal separation. Because if you choose to live your entire life, if you choose to live your entire life and you never acknowledge your need for a Savior, the Bible says you'll spend an eternity separated from God. And the Bible is not a book of speculation. The Bible is 100% true. Despite the fact that, that mankind is that way, the Bible also, also reveals to us that God loved his creation. He loved you so much. He loved me so much that he was willing to send us someone to pay for the penalty of our sins. But you know what? God did not send an angel to pay for your sin. God did not create a better human race or, or a human being to do better than you and I. See, because Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is God. He's co-equal. He's co-eternal with God. He is not a created being. He sent Jesus Christ, who is co-equal and co-eternal with him. He sent him to take your place, to take my place. God sent his only begotten Son to come to earth as a baby, to live a perfect and sinless life, so that eventually he could be murdered for doing absolutely no wrong. He wasn't just a good moral person. He wasn't just a, a good teacher. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ was falsely imprisoned. He was falsely crucified. As Jesus Christ hung on the cross, he took upon him the sins of mankind. He took upon him your sin. He took upon him my sin. And why did Christ do that? He did that so that you and I could receive pardon in his sight. He did that so that we could have the opportunity to spend an eternity worshiping God forever instead of being separated from God for all eternity. And you know what? You and I did not deserve that at all. Similarly to Onesimus, we have lived very selfishly. No, we did not run away like a slave. Uh, we did not steal an artifact from God. But we falsely believe that this life is our life to live. 
we incorrectly assume that we can do as we please, there will be no consequences. We have ignored God. We've ignored our need for him. And we must realize that is sin. And if we continue down this path, if, if you continue down the path of sin in your life, and you never acknowledge that Jesus Christ paid for your sins, that Jesus Christ is God and can offer you eternal life, if you never do that, the Bible reveals to us that you'll spend an eternity separated from God. The sad reality is that Jesus Christ died in your place. He, he did no wrong, yet he suffered for you. He did no wrong, yet he suffered for me. God cared so much for you. God cared so much for his creation that he sent his only begotten son to be murdered in our place. Christ would be the sacrificial lamb. He would be the ultimate sacrifice. He would be the substitutionary atonement for our sin. And truly, Jesus Christ was the only worthy sacrifice that could satisfy the wrath of God. See, we were born into this world sinners. The enemies of God. We had no desire for light. We had, a, we had a desire for darkness. We had an inclination to sin, a sin nature. But God loved you and I so much that he sent Jesus Christ to live a perfect sinless life and to die in our place. There is no other way for you and I to be pardoned from that sin. You can, you can walk out of this, this building today and say, I'm going to try and be a very good moral person. I'm going to try and make up for all the bad that I've done in my life. It doesn't matter what you do. You will never earn your salvation because your salvation cannot be earned. It is a gift from God. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and life. You must acknowledge that you are a sinner. You must recognize that Christ is the Son of God. He lived a perfect sinless life. And you must understand that Christ took upon him the sins of mankind, the sins of the past, the sins of now. He took upon him your sins, my sins. He was buried because he died. He was buried and rose again three days, conquering death and conquering sin. And now he's at the right hand of the Father. And, and if you're a believer this morning, that, that is wonderful news because when we sin, when we still act selfishly, the Bible tells us that as a believer, we can be, our fellowship can be restored. We can still be right with God because Jesus Christ intercedes on our behalf. But why did Christ do this? Why did God send his only begotten son? Because you are of great value to God. People may not, certain people may not value human life, but God values you. For those of you in here today that are believers, consider with me the life that you once lived. Consider with me how selfish you used to be, how, how blinded you used to be to your need of salvation, and now recognize that God truly values you. You are of great worth to God. Now, for unbelievers, perhaps you're sitting here today and you think that no one cares about you. You're struggling financially. Perhaps you're having difficulty in your marriage. You feel alone. Please hear me when I declare to you that 
You are of great value to God. You have great worth to our Creator. Perhaps you're sitting here this morning and you are an unbeliever and you realize that you are in need of a Savior. I implore you that if you have any questions, any concerns, then get that settled today. Meet with someone after the service. I'll just be honest with you. If you walk out of here and you desire salvation, you cannot obtain salvation through anything that you do. You can't become a more moral person and think that that's going to work. There's but one way for salvation. You are of great value to God. Today, we have examined the passage in Philemon. And it's necessary for us to realize again that this is an actual account that took place. The book of Philemon is not an allegory. It's not fiction. It's a real, accurate book that beautifully reveals to us the gospel. By looking at Onesimus, the selfish servant, and by also seeing Paul, who was a caring brother, we are able to see man's need for a savior and also man's unworthiness of of that savior. Will you recognize today that you are of great value to God? Even when others don't see it. Even when others might tell you differently. Do not give in to the whims of society and lose the value of human life. Life is a gift, and it is God's desire that you live your life in a manner that would bring him glory. Will you recognize today that you are of great value?